we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. For those of you that are here and those that are in our online congregation, I just want you to uh, follow with me over the next few moments. I feel like the Lord has a word for us this morning. I really do. And um, I had not planned to go to this message in this series for a few weeks, but um, yesterday the Lord just kept hammering this thought of the unseen presence, the unseen hand of God in our lives. And I, I don't know about you, but I am thankful for the hand of God in my life. He has steered me away from so much tragedy when I have trusted in that hand of God to, to move. And all through the Bible, there's stories of the hand of God. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. And that verse means to exalt you means that he is exalted through you. In other words, people are seeing Jesus. It's always about Jesus. Did you know that? It's always will be about him being seen. It's always going to be about his name being lifted up. And I want to tell you, be weary of those who want to put their name ahead of the name of Jesus. It's about the name of the Lord. Put him forward in your life. I, I don't know. Can we just give Jesus a good old praise? I know we've done it before, but we need to do that again. I just feel that. We need to praise the name of the Lord. And... Uh, we have asked for people to use wisdom, and I know we're living in a time of sickness, but we're also living in a time of sinuses. And so people are, uh, you know, I've asked them to use wisdom. So I know several are at home today because they're just not sure either way. And, and we, we want you to use some wisdom in that because that, that's going to help us keep our doors open and not close them. Uh, if we just use a little bit of wisdom, but I appreciate you doing that. But you're with us today, I know, watching some of you, and we, we just want to move forward for what the Lord has. Humble yourself. He says, bring yourself to a place of humility, therefore under the mighty hand of God. Uh, and, and I believe that God's hand is mighty today, and I believe he's going to do some awesome things in the, in the days. To, I, I don't look at the world around us in gloom and despair. I look at it as setting up the right opportunity for the Spirit of the Lord to be poured out like it's never been poured out before. And I'm here to tell you, the church is not to be preaching a message of gloom and doom in this hour. We need to be preaching a message of hope of hope, because our hope is in Jesus, amen, and he is coming soon, I believe that with all my heart, right now we're living in a very difficult time in history, in the history of our world and in the history of the church, we are living in a very difficult time, but difficult times uh, are, are on every generation, every generation has experienced difficulty, if you, had, you know, I shared a few weeks ago, if you'd have been alive during World War II, you would have probably been like a lot of people and thought it was the end of the world, because you had literally the world at war, you had war in Europe, you had war in Asia, you had war all over the place, and, and the U.S. was fighting not on one front, but on two different fronts, and I'm telling you, it was a time when if you'd have been, uh, been alive, or if you were alive and then talked to somebody in that time, you would have thought, well, this is coming close to the coming of the Lord, this is coming close to the end, but I believe that a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, we, we don't realize that there are cycles of troubled times that come, however, it is my belief 
belief we are moving closer to the coming of Jesus than ever before. But I don't believe it is right around the corner. I believe that we have some work to do before the coming of the Lord. I don't know if you believe that, but there's still, on, you know what is, there's just, what we need to reach, if there's just one more soul, I want to reach him. How about you? And so I, I want to still do the work that God has called us to do. There are many people struggling through sickness, financial, social issues, uh, you name it, it's on them, relationship issues. It's all going on today in the world we're living in. Today we are going to explore in our, our topic of unseen, the unseen hand of God or the presence of God that we don't always see. How many times God has been right there with us, but we have failed to recognize His presence. We have failed to see that He is there. The hope of this sermon today, the message today, is that you will leave this place with a greater understanding than you've ever had before that God is with you. That God is longing not just to be with you, but to reveal himself and to set your heart on fire for him. I believe God is wanting to rekindle some of our passion for him that may be because of the circumstances of our day being, being uh, kind of uh, waxing over or getting colder. And so let's look in, in Luke chapter 24 this morning, and I'm going to bring the heart of my message uh, about this unseen hand of God or the unseen presence of God into uh, perspective through this text. Let's read four, uh, verses 14 through 31, and uh, then we'll, we'll continue from there. The Bible says, uh, I'll tell you what, let's, let's go ahead and read verse 13 as well. That very day, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that, they, that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went, and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Take note of verse 16. And, and he said to them, what, what is the conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood looking sad. Then one of them, named, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? who does not know the things that have happened there these days? And he said to them, what things? Don't you love that? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, all besides, and all besides this, it is now the third day since these things happen. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had, been, uh, they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had, uh, woman, women had said, but, he, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Jesus or that the, that Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted them in all the scriptures the things concerning Himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. Uh, going, He acted as if He were going farther. But they urged Him strongly, saying, "Stay with us, for it is uh, it is toward evening, and the day is now uh, far spent." So He went to stay with them, and when He was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished 
from their sight. I think that's so important that we go into this today because I, I, I love this story because this is, uh, this is not Easter Sunday morning. This is Easter evening. This is, this is happening after those events and these two disciples had decided to travel, most theologians believe, back to their home village Emmaus. And so uh, after all of the hype of the last three years where they had seen the miracles, the signs, the wonders, they had seen Jesus make the lame walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear. Uh, you know, they had seen him feed uh, the thousands with the loaves and the fishes, all these great miracles, lepers cleansed. You, they, they had watched water being turned into wine, and now it had had, uh, uh, you know, it had been one of those weeks. Anybody ever had one of those weeks? Maybe you're coming off of one of those. One of those weeks where they started off great, but it ended really bad. It started off with them saying, with the crowds gathering and, and praising the name of Jesus, saying, blessed is he who has come in the name of the Lord and palm leaves and their coats were being laid down before him and it ended with the same crowd crying out crucify him and so they started off great on Monday and by Friday Jesus is hanging on a tree on uh, Friday all of their hopes and dreams have been smashed all of their desires all the things they thought he was now hung on a bloody cross it was he was and and and, and, and as he gave up his last breath on this earth they gave up the last breath of their dream that he was the Messiah. And you can say, no, they didn't doubt. My friend, the Bible is full of where they doubted, where they really didn't know if he was going to rise from the dead like he said he would. Even though, and so the, the story even gets better because they're sharing with Jesus. And I love it. When I was in uh, preaching youth camps years ago, I preached this text and I entitled my message, Sneaky Jesus, because he sneaks up on them and they're walking on the road and all of a sudden he, they don't see who he is because they were blinded to some things. And I'm going to tell you, when we walk through life, if we're not careful, we can be blinded by the very presence of the Lord when he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He was there with them even though they did not recognize who he was. And so he joins with them and they're walking on the road. And here is the, the things I want us to gather from this this morning. So if you'll follow with me, I believe God's got something for us. Why did they not see Jesus? Why could they not see the hand of providence or the hand of God uh, when Jesus was right there with them? While Luke doesn't explain in detail why these two did not recognize Jesus immediately, I do have my suspicions. Number one, I believe they were too busy to recognize Jesus. In verses 14 and 29, this alludes to this. These two disciples were in a hurry to get to their village before the, the evening had come because it was dangerous, by the way, to be on a road in, in, in Judea. It was not the safest place to be. Even though there was relative peace under Roman rule, you got to understand Rome was on high alert because Jesus had stirred up a few things. Rome was on high alert, and so it was not exactly safe to be walking on a road in the middle of the night. So they were in a hurry number one, to get to their destination. Number two, uh, I, I believe that they, furthermore, they were not looking for him. And we'll get to that in a moment. But they were in a hurry uh, to, to get there. They had, they had been caught up in the, week, in the week and weekend events that had taken place. And they were so preoccupied with their sadness, their depression, and their thoughts that they could not see Jesus with them. The problem with being busy is that we miss out on most of the important things in life. We can miss out on our kids growing 
growing up, we can ignore our spouse's needs, we can uh, sacrifice our health, we can destroy our souls and not recognize Jesus if we're careful. I want you to understand there's a lot of us focused on the wrong things and because we're focused on the wrong things, we are not beholding the presence of God in the situations that we're facing. Some of us think, where are you, God? And God is saying, I've been right here all along. If you would stop with your busyness to recognize me. Busyness will destroy us. Busyness will take us to a place where we cannot recognize Jesus when he's right in front of our face. Number two, we're not looking for him. I believe verse 16 alludes to this, that we're just not looking for Jesus. These two people did not recognize Jesus because they simply were not looking for him. They believed he was dead. They believed, they didn't, they, they had had some hope that he had been resurrected, but they simply did not. If they had believed that he was alive, I believe they would have stayed in Jerusalem, don't you? I don't believe, I would, if I really thought he was alive, I wouldn't have been going home. I would have been staying right there and saying, hold on, he's going to show up anytime knocking at the door. He's going to show up and we're going to see him. But you know, evidently they had resided themselves and they resigned themselves to believe that it, that it was over, that it was over. And so they, had, they couldn't see him because they weren't looking for him. They had not made a connection between Jesus' promise in Jerusalem uh, with Jesus' presence on the road of Emmaus. Jesus promised he would rise again on the third day. But evidently, doubt and misunderstanding had made it impossible for them to recognize this man for who he truly was. If we're not careful, that same thing will grip us in this time where there are wars and rumors of wars, where there is famine and where there is pestilence and where there is sickness and where there is death, we will fail to recognize that Jesus did not say, you're on your own and I'm going to let you suffer and then I'll come back and get you. Jesus says, I'm walking the road with you. I've never let you out of my sight. And if we will just take a moment to recognize it, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. In other words, notice the irony in the text. What had the woman discovered early in the morning in verses 21 through 22, an empty tomb? What did the angels announce to them uh, when they went to the grave in verse 23? He was alive. What did their companions discover when they visited the burial place of Jesus? He wasn't there. All of the evidence was overwhelming that what he said had come to pass, that he was alive, but yet the evidence wasn't enough for their hearts. The evidence of Jesus returning to life was escalating by the moment. But these two disciples did not see Jesus on the road simply because they did not expect to see him on the road. Some of us do not see Jesus in our situations today because we simply do not expect to see Jesus. I want you to know right now, we have to live a life of expectation in this hour. The church has been too long waiting on God to come in clouds of glory when God is walking right beside us if we'll just take the time to see it. Amen. Amen. If we'll take the time to see it this morning, He is with us. He has never left you for one moment. He is there with you. We have remarkable ability, or at least I do, to shut God out of my life. I have a remarkable ability to do that, and I believe most of us do. That in a moment, we can shut God out. In a moment, we can change gears, and our minds can be on something else. One great, great way of doing that is um, we're about 20 minutes till 12. About 12 o'clock, your mind's going to shift to lunch. Okay? It's going to go to lunch. You know, the, the flesh is going to call out, you know, hey, feed me. 
And, and, you know, and I understand that need. What are you saying? We can change our minds quickly. We can very easily shift gears away from God and shut God out in, in our lives. We have a tendency to, to put blindfolds on as if we were uh, going through our days and not going to ever cross paths with Jesus. We have distorted ways of blaming God for everything bad in our lives that happen and in our lives not recognizing the good that he does. Amen. Sometimes we're, we're really good at blaming God for everything that's fallen apart, but we don't recognize the good that's going on. I want you to know we got to learn to recognize the Lord. I want to challenge you if you can gather with us around 2 o'clock. I've been asked to lead a prayer circle at the courthouse steps for, for Michael Nicholson, and I'm going to, uh, Brittany called Tina yesterday and said, well, Phil, come down and lead that prayer at 2. So if you got time at 2 o'clock, come join us in prayer because we're not just going to pray for, for Michael's healing. We're going to pray. You, you see, I, I believe the breath of God's going to enter into some places. That's what I'm believing God for. The breath of life is fixing to enter into some places. But you know what? If we're not careful, we're going to miss Jesus in this journey. We're going to miss the opportunities for Jesus to show his glory and his power. And I'm telling you something. I believe Jesus is about to show his glory like he's never showed it before. I believe God is getting ready to reveal his power like he's never revealed it before. I believe the days of revival are not behind us. Uh, they are before us. And I believe you better get ready because if you'll just take the time to notice him, he's fixing to show himself in your situation. We are prevented from seeing Jesus, verse 17. These two walked along the road. Uh, road their walk along the road uh, was because they were low and depressed. As a matter of fact, they were not happy. Je Jesus looks at them and says, why are you so sad? The, another, the New English translation of it says, why are you full of gloom? Why are you so full of gloom? I, I want to tell you something, folks. The disciples of Jesus this day were full of gloom. And I wonder how many days Jesus could come up to me and me not know it was Jesus. And he would look and say, Phil, you're just too full of gloom. Don't you realize who's here? Don't you realize the presence of God is with you? Don't you realize that I am fighting every battle for you? Don't you realize if you would surrender to me, I'll take care of you? Don't you realize I'm full of goodness and mercy and grace? Don't you realize I told you? I would uphold you with my right hand of mercy and righteousness. What are you saying? Sometimes I'm so distracted I don't see it. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can be so full of gloom and doom, we don't see it. If you have ever suffered from depression, and you know everybody's had depression, but I'm talking about really suffered from depression, you will realize you will not receive or you have the ability to resist comfort. You really do. If you've ever walked through depression, you have the ability to resist comfort. How do you, what do you mean? You can have someone speaking hope to you and you will turn it. Yes, that's true, but. And you will have somebody speaking life to you and you'll say, that's fine for you to say, but. If we're not careful, we, we will hear the bad news and that's all we'll hear. I want you to know right now, it is time for us to begin to hear what God is speaking in this hour and our God is not speaking destruction. Our God is speaking life. Our God is not speaking hell is coming. God is speaking heaven has come. I want you to understand God is in the room this morning and if you will allow him to remove the blindfold, you'll see him. And you can walk out of here with hope and life and joy. Our pessimistic attitudes shut down our faith, verses 25 through 26. <laughs> Have you ever found, anybody ever been pessimistic? Okay, if you was watching Georgia last night, you were. Because we were really happy about our defense, but buddy, our offense was not looking good, and it was very pessimistic for me. 
Matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to call him out. Ben Gross posted something on Facebook. I got tickled. He said, you know, we've all been here before and had our hearts broke. <laughs> so something around that lines of, you know, you know, snatching, snatching defeat out of, out of victory, that kind of thing. Um, we, we've seen that. But pessimistic, you know, I don't know if they'll pull this off or not. We carry that attitude over into God sometimes. I know God can, but I doubt it. I doubt he will. I know God can, I know God can speak and remove all the pestilence and sickness that is plaguing our nation right now, but I don't know if he will. Pessimistic instead of optimistic about what God can do. In other words, if we're not careful, pessimistic spirit will shut down our faith. While these two on the road of Emmaus had heard the possibility that Jesus had been raised from the dead, they simply just didn't believe it. Because if they had believed it, they wouldn't have left. They wouldn't have begun to return back to their old life. It was just too good to be true. Jesus rebuked them in verses 25 and 26. These people did not lack for evidence. The evidence was everywhere. They, they lacked for hope. When We simply don't believe Jesus will show up in our lives sometimes. Sometimes we just simply don't believe that he's going to do what he said he would do. This God stuff is great for the movies. The Ten Commandments, yeah, he can move the Red Sea apart and let the children of Israel grow on dry land. Uh, in the movies, in the, in the TV show Chosen, he can he can cleanse the lepers and he can heal the blind but you know what Phil I just don't know if he's up to that today I want you to know our God is still faithful and true and if John 3 16 is true so is every other part of the Bible which says he is a God of healing Amen. a God of healing so if you don't want to believe God still heals then don't believe that he saves either if you don't want to believe that God can still do miracles, then just don't believe in John 3.16. Because I'm going to tell you right now, God is saying to this generation, I am ready for you to not just be living and reading the book of Acts as a history lesson, but living out loud the book of Acts, seeing my glory, seeing my power. But first, you've got to recognize I'm on the road. When we see Jesus... When we see Jesus, verses 30 through 31, Cleopas and the other disciple eventually did recognize Jesus. When the village of Emmaus finally came into sight, Jesus, still incognito, acted as if he were going further. Don't you love that? The couple of disciples would have none of that. This stranger had opened their eyes to the possibilities, the truth, and the hope of a resurrected Savior. And they urged him and insisted for him to stay just a little while longer. I can imagine them hurrying to prepare a meal and calling to him saying, just, just eat with us before you go. Just eat with us before you go. You see, when they got to the table in verse 30, a very common gesture came about. Jesus broke the bread. How many times had Jesus broke the bread? How many times in the three years of his ministry had Jesus called his disciples together and blessed the bread and broke the bread how many times had it been a common act among them as they camped out on, on, from town to town and from journey to journey, they, they, they ate bread together? How many times had he broke the bread and miracles took place as the 5,000 were fed and the 7,000 were fed? How many times had God done this simple little gesture? And I'm going to tell you something, but something amazing happens in simple gestures with God because the ordinary becomes extraordinary in the hands of Jesus. <laughs> the, 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 the mundane and the normal becomes uh, spontaneous and amazing in the hands of Jesus. 
And as he broke that bread, their eyes were opened and all of a sudden they realized that all along he was with them. All along he had been journeying with them and he saw who was with them and he vanished out of their sight and they said these words, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us on the journey? Did not our hearts set on fire once again? We should have recognized him then by the very words that he spoken. But now, and you know what they did? They did something crazy amidst all the trouble they would have found on the road in the middle of the night. The Bible says they got up from the table and they ran back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples that he was alive and that they had seen him. What are you saying, Pastor? I want you to know this world needs to know he's alive. And if the body of Christ can't testify of it, I don't know who is going to testify of it. We need to lift Jesus up in this hour and tell the people around us, I know there's sickness. I know there's death. I know there's broken relationships and broken families and hurting people, but Jesus is still real and still alive and he still speaks miracles. Still does miracles. You see, we need our eyes opened. We need our hearts set on fire. We need our eyes open and we need our hearts set on fire. Some of us have lost our passion for life. Oh gosh, God help me, help me, help me, help me. We have lost our passion for life. We're just getting by. Just getting by. If I can just get to from this point to this point and breathe, I'll be good. And, and I'm going to tell you something. That's contrary to what the scripture says. He said, for he came to give us life and it more abundantly. He came to give you a life that's... If you know this reference... To 11, not 10. Amen. He wants to take you past what everybody says is the norm. I want you to know something. God is ready to move like he's never moved before. But the church has got to begin to shake off this sleepiness and this sluggishness. And I'm here to tell you, we've got to shake it off and begin to look at this world around us and be that, be that testimony of the living hope of Christ. He's with you today. Will you stand? Cleopas and Mary, I mean Cleopas and the other disciples caught fire on the road of Emmaus. When we catch fire, the mundane begins to melt away and we see Jesus. Jesus is the one who has the time to do what we need him to do and to fulfill the things that need to be fulfilled. In other words, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying Jesus is ready to move. Looking to him is the only way we're going to see a move of God in this hour. By seeing Jesus for what he can do, the giver of life, the giver of light, the giver of breath. Jesus is the one who can touch our hearts. Jesus is the one who can give us explanation. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, we read, Pentecostals get hung up on the first part of that, and we miss the whole message of it. But in the book of Acts, the Bible says, after the Holy Spirit came, after the breath of God filled the room, and they were filled with the Spirit, they wake up, come to themselves, and the world is standing outside their door saying, what's going on with you? What's happening? This doesn't have an explanation for what's happening. The world will begin to build its own. And they did. Oh, these guys are drunk. 
The Bible says, and Peter shuts it all down and says, this isn't what you think it is. This is what the prophet Joel spoke about. He's pouring out his spirit. He's pouring out his spirit. And as they faced that multitude of people, Peter stands up, and, and I know it's going to disappoint you if you're Pentecostal, but the Pentecostal message that day was not that the Comforter had come. The Pentecostal message was, men and brethren, hearken to my words and hear me. This same Jesus whom you've crucified has been risen, has risen from the dead. And God has raised him up to be both Lord and Christ. And he is coming back. And he will make his enemies his footstool. He's coming back. He's alive. And the Bible says they were cut in their hearts. Now that word cut does not mean like a, a gash or an accident or a, a wound. It means they, it's almost like a surgical cut. <laughs> now heart mean what? Their emotions, their spirit, and their body. They were cut in their whole being. And they said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And you will be filled with the Spirit. And the Bible says 3,000 people came to know Jesus in one day. The testimony to me is the fact of who spoke. I'd have had John speak. How about you? John was the one that went to the foot of the cross. John was the one who was entrusted with the care of Mary, mother of Jesus. But no, it was Peter, the one who always was sticking his foot in his mouth. It was Peter, the one who denied him three times. It was Peter that God moved upon him. What a testimony of the grace and forgiveness of our Jesus. And he shares this powerful word that brings people to, to Christ. In other words, he wasn't so caught up in the blessing. He missed seeing Jesus in the moment. Don't be so caught up you miss Jesus in the moment. Father, have your way. You see, I feel like there's some of us in this room, we're just existing. I feel like some of our young people, we're just gripped with fear right now. Gripped by it. Some of us have lost our passion. Our passion. And God wants to breathe into you today. Some of us are walking through situations and we don't see Jesus in any of it. But He's here. And I, I just feel like opening the altar. If you want, if you need it, if you need him, what are you waiting for? So many of us are another time. 
I've been troubled in my spirit for so long over our lack of wanting to pursue him. Well, I'm pursuing him. You know what the Bible says how we should pursue God? We should pursue God like a man pursues his bride. Me and Tina had worked a camp together. I didn't call her up and say, hey, you look pretty at camp. Why don't we get married? No. I pursued her. And after many, many months, she convinced me to marry her. I'm kidding. Other way around. What are you saying? I want to pursue him. I want to pursue him like I want a drink of water on a hot day. I want to pursue him. I want to thirst for him. I want, and look, because he says, for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. I just wonder if there's anybody thirsty in the room today for Jesus. Is there anybody hungry for some fresh manna? Jesus. Is there anybody in this room that's saying, I'm, I'm tired of just getting through a week and getting through a week. I'm ready for God to breathe some life into my life. I'm ready to see Him on the road with me. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.